0: Well, guys, today is the conclusion of our Supreme Leader series. We are glad that you have joined us for that. Um, we are talking about Jesus today, the master of sin, the leader over sin. Uh, Cordelia this week uh, shared a gem with Jerrica and I that I promptly, like any good parent, posted to Facebook uh, so that everybody else could partake in as well. Uh, but she was telling us about uh, her Bible lesson um, one day at school this week, and, and she came up to us, and she was all excited, and, and, you know, being a four-year-old, is pretty cool that she got all this from it, but she goes, hey, dad, guess what? And I said, what? And she goes, uh, we were in the car, and she goes, Jesus died for our sins. He died on the cross. That's so cool. And I was like, yeah, that is cool. And she's like, and he died to take our sins, and he took them on, the, on himself, and, and that way we don't, you know, we don't have any more sins, and that, that's great. And I was like, yeah, it is great. And she goes, but man, the boys in my class, they still got them. <laughs> and I, I, I almost wrecked. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, I just like completely lost it. So Jesus took away our sins, just, you know, not those boys because they still got them. Uh, <laughs> um, and of course, I laughed hysterically. I thought it was probably one of the funniest things she's ever said. Uh, but I'm a pastor too, and, and so it made me think a little deeper. Um, is this the example she's getting from me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> to be completely honest, is she like, is she seeing me go, look at that person's sins over there, you know, while here I am, this pristine angel uh, who, you know, because she doesn't do anything wrong. She just wanted to make that clear. Jesus took her sins. She got rid of them. But those boys, you know, (laughs) they're they're still there. And so I was worried, like, you know, is, is that what she's seeing from us? Um, from me, from, from Jericho, from, from adults in general, because um, it's kind of human nature that we see other people's sins and, and, and that we uh, seem to recognize their sins better. And so um, the good news is Jesus did take our sin. And as the leader over sin, he guides our lives and how we deal with sin personally. And how we deal with sin with others. And so we're going to look at both of those aspects today. We're going to start with how we deal with sin personally. Because let's be honest, when dealing with sin, it's always best to look at yourself first, correct? I mean, it's always best to, to look and, and, and be self-reflective and, and see what is it that you struggle with before you go around trying to cure everybody else. Uh, you want to see what, what are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4 for this. It's verse 1 through 11. Um, this will be very familiar to you as I read it, but this is what it says. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will, uh, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. At this, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Okay, so we look at Jesus right here, um, and w- if we follow his example, how many of us, and you don't have to raise your hands for this, Let's be, <laughs> none of us really want to, but how many of us, when dealing with temptation, we first turn to Scripture? Right, I can't say I do. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's something I'm working on, it's something I'm trying to get better at, but this is your pastor here this morning telling you that that's not the first place I go. You know, typically, I try to deal with it myself. You know, Paul, you're better than this. You can, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. Don't say this. Don't, don't feel this way. Keep, you know, keep, keep fighting, and then eventually I sin, and Paul, you suck. Paul, you're awful. Paul, you're evil. Paul, you're going to hell. <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of the, the how we... How we follow in that cycle. It's, we try to attack it ourselves and then we fail. We're the worst person ever. Uh, but Jesus shows us here that we don't have to deal with this ourselves. That's the whole reason we were given scripture in the first place. It's because it's our sword. It's what we use to battle temptation with. And it's what he used to battle temptation with. We see the first time here when he's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. I haven't gone four hours in my life without eating. Let's just be honest about that. Jesus went 40 days Okay, and here he is, and and Satan's like, look, you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. There's some rocks. You can turn that into bread. Eat it up. And Jesus goes, look, I'm, you know, you can't live on bread alone. You're supposed to to live off of God, and that's what I'm doing. He battles with with Scripture. And the next time, Satan's like, okay, he likes Scripture, so I'm going to get him. He comes back, and he uses Scripture in tempting Jesus. How many of you have struggled with that, right? He uses Scripture to tempt Jesus and says, jump off this building. You're not going to get hurt. You're not going to get hurt. It's written that you're not even going to strike your foot against a stone. God's looking out for you. He'll catch you right before you hit the ground. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to think it's cool. They're going to be like, oh, Jesus, he's a magician. And, uh, you know, people are going to love that. It's a cool trick. Do it. And Jesus goes, mm-mm. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's what the Bible says. And so when we face temptation, our first tool should always be Scripture. Now, if you're like me, you may not be the best at memorizing things. I'm just not. That's just something I know to be true in my life. But I'll tell you what, the more and more and more and more that you can read Scripture, just study Scripture, be in your Bible, you'll find that somehow, way, that stuff just seems to come out of you. And something will pop up in your head when you're struggling, and, and all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, I didn't even know I knew that verse. or I didn't even know I, I had that in my memory. But, but if we just immerse ourselves in Christ, in the Bible, in the Word, what you feel yourself with comes out. What you fill yourself with comes out. And so we need to be able to combat Satan with the truth. And the truth is the word of God. And so personally, how we deal with sin, we fill ourselves up with scripture. We fill ourselves up with the word. We combat that. Then if we go to John 8, that's really where our focus is going to be today because it talks about... How we deal uh, with sin with others. We're going to be in John chapter 8. We're reading verses 1 through 11. This story will also be very familiar for you if you have been in church before. (laughs) It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach him. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have uh, a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, and he started to write in the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up, and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote in the ground, and at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her. He said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. If we're all honest, if we're all honest, we find ourselves a lot of times in life, siding with the Pharisees. We talked about how it's human nature that we are just really good at seeing other people sin. We just are. It's like a gift we all have, right? You can see somebody else screwing up and be like, ooh, sinner, you know what I mean? That person, I found it, I see it, there's sin. But so many of us, we can come up with excuse after excuse for the things that we've done, right? We can say, well, I mean, I did do that, but wasn't really my fault because so-and-so had it coming. Like, you know, I, I, I really was a jerk to that person, but they really, they really had it coming. Um, and it's just, it's, it's human nature that that takes place, that that happens. But we need to fight against that. See, Scripture addresses that for us. It tells us in Matthew 7, 3, it says, Why do you focus, um, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Right? Why do you see what little sin they commit, but seem to to completely miss all that you struggle with? And we don't really have a good answer for that. But the the, the truth of the matter is, we just do it. We just do. And so Jesus, right here, the, he he does something that is so freeing. He's, it's it's just. Um, it's fantastic for us. So the Pharisees, they bring this poor woman. Um, and, and I don't say poor woman as like uh, she didn't commit adultery. She she wasn't caught in sin. She was. Um, I don't know, you know, that she deserved to get off scotch-free, but she definitely didn't deserve to be dragged in front of a group of men and judged and and, and downcast and, and have stones thrown at her, right? The, so here these Pharisees are, like literally the worst of people Second only to Cubs fans. True story. Um, and and, and he, here they are. A- and anyone else who happens to think that any stuff is better than Harry Potter, OK? I'm just saying. I want to throw that out there because we have nerds in the audience, too. Um, and like you people like, Star Trek, Marvel. No, you're terrible. You're awful. Harry Potter wins. Get over it, OK? I just want you to be aware of that situation so we can have that out there and everybody can agree on that, OK? You're welcome. Um, But here these Pharisees are, just these absolute terrible human beings who walk around with their chest puffed up and uh, all dressed up and ordained and thinking they're looking awesome and and wanting to show off and and see how good they are and they drag this woman before Jesus and they're like we're going to get him because the law of Moses says that we can throw throw rocks at her we can stone her and we're going to see what he says and he's going to he's going to disagree with the law of Moses and he's going to tell us the law of Moses is wrong and then we're going to get to stone him too because because we don't like him he's taking he's taking people away from us he people are starting to follow his teachings instead of ours and we're just "Mm, we're not okay with that and then Jesus does this wonderful thing He bends down in the sand, I can't bend or I would. He begins to write, he looks up at him and he just says, whichever one of you guys hasn't sinned, let her rip. Let her rip. And I don't know how exactly it happened because I wasn't there, Um, but I can imagine that like somebody, you know, was carrying a rock and at that point it kind of (laughs) dropped. Everybody else kind of looked over at the pile. This is like my favorite line in scripture because this is what it says. This will tell you how stupid guys are. Okay, <laughs> it, it hasn't changed all these years later. It says the old ones left first. The old ones left first. The young dumb ones were still like. So we can we can do this. Uh, we're not we're not we're not we're not throwing rock. Okay. Okay, and so the old ones are like, well, crap. He nailed that and walked away, and the young ones were just, like, holding out hope. Maybe he's going to say we can, you know, maybe just throw one. We'll rock paper, rock, paper, scissors for it. And so Jesus puts his head back down in the sand, and eventually they all go away, and he, he looks up at her, and he says, hey, lady, have any of these guys condemned you? No, they haven't, she said. I can imagine she's crying. She's embarrassed. And he looks at her and he says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus does a couple things here that are freeing for us, as I said. The first thing he does, he makes uh, the Pharisees, these self-righteous human beings, look at themselves. He makes them be honest about their mistakes. That's something that we all have to do. See, I'm not saying today that sinners can't address sin in the lives of others. I'm not saying that because we're required to do that as Christians. But how we do it is of the utmost importance. They weren't doing this out of love. They didn't see their sister, you know, struggling with sin and go to her and and look to help her correct that in her life. They wanted to embarrass her. They wanted to make themselves look better. In comparison, look what she's done. I've never done that. I'm so great. So when we're addressing sin in the lives of our friends, and the lives of our family, how are we doing so? Because we need to look at ourselves first. And if you say, you know what, they're struggling with that, and so do I, that doesn't mean that I can't talk to that person. That means that that's how I lead off. Look, I've noticed that you're struggling with lust. You're struggling with lust. I'm talking to Barry over here. Everybody meet Barry. Barry, I noticed you're struggling with lust. I've struggled with that too. I know it's embarrassing. I know that it's shameful. I know that it's hard for you. How can I help you overcome this? Let me tell you what I know about God. Let me tell you what I know about Jesus. Let me tell you how we can overcome this. That's how we approach sin. Not like the Pharisees did. So one of the things that that he did here from the get-go, he takes away uh, condemnation. Not necessarily judgment, but, but condemnation. We, none of us get to say, you've sinned, you're going to hell, you're beyond repair. Because we've all sinned, and we all frankly deserve hell. But because, like Cordelia knows, Jesus died to take our sins, we don't have to. And we share in that together, we're all equal. And that for us is Fantastic. And the second thing Jesus does, as I said, he, he takes away their right to condemn. Because here's, here's what happens. Here's, here's what's so beautiful about this passage. When Jesus, the one person who by the law could justifiably stone this woman, chose not to, not only did she receive forgiveness, but he forced everybody else to follow suit. He forced everybody else to follow suit. Now, I'm a big sports guy. I know that's not a shock to anybody, but they always talk about, um, you see the situation in sports all the time where somebody um, has had some disparaging comment made about them. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was on purpose. Maybe somebody just had diarrhea of the mouth and said something that was really inappropriate that they shouldn't have said. And uh, the person that it spoke against, the, the evil thing, they come out and they say, he made a mistake. He called me. He apologized, it's in the past, we're moving on, I forgave him. And immediately that diffuses the situation. Why? Because the one person who can justifiably be angry about what was said personally about them, done personally against them, if they've said it's okay, what right do the rest of us have to be angry about it? You know what I mean? So they diffuse that situation. That's exactly what Jesus does here for all of us in this passage. Because he's the one person who justifiably has the right to be angry. He was the one that sinned against. He's the one that coming up is about to take the sins of the world on. And so this is just another one tacked to the list that he's going to have to suffer for. So he could very well say, you know what, you're about to catch a stone to the face. And I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I realize he's Jesus and he was fully human, but he's also fully God. So I'm picturing like randy johnson 99 mile an hour high hard heat like to the dome like it's going to be painful that's all i'm saying and he says you know what you may you might deserve this by law but I, i choose not to do that and so the rest of us get to say we forgive you too I mean, if Christ forgives you, we forgive you too. And if Christ forgives us, then, then what right do we have to hold on to things that, that we hold against others? We don't have any right. Jesus does that for us here. And then three, this is the thing that I struggle with, me personally, the most. He tells her that she gets to move on from her past. He says in, in, in verse um, 11... Where am I here? Here I am. (laughs) He says, uh, in 10 and 11, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now. Here's the best words. You guys ready for this? Leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. That doesn't just mean go now and don't sin anymore in the future. Okay, Because that is what he's encouraging her to do. Move forward from this place and sin no more. But he's also saying everything that they're trying to condemn you for, everything that they want to throw rocks at you for, leave it behind. Leave it behind. This is something that I am not good at. I hold on to sin. I still think of a time, and I've told my wife this before, It happened I was about five years old. There was a little boy playing basketball on my Fisher-Price basketball hoop in my backyard. And he had asked my mom for permission. His name, believe it or not, was Luis Gonzalez. He lived behind us in the Berkenshire Public Housing. He came to our front door, which is a long walk for him. He asked my mother if it was okay if he shot basketball hoops on our goal. She said, of course, yes it is, it's fine. I was away. I wasn't playing with it. I, you know, had no need of it at the time. But here I come down with another friend uh, over this hill that we had in our neighborhood. And as I'm coming down, I can see in the backyard, I can see this little boy. I can see Luis shooting, shooting hoops. And I had this little buddy of mine that was with me. Quite frankly, he was a turd. I mean, just... Ugh. His name was Bobby. I still remember him. Because I got in fist fights with the kid every other day, and the next day we were best friends again. (laughs) And he looked at me, and he hit me on my arm, and he was like, how dare he play with your basketball goal? I'm like, five, six. Yeah, you're right. How dare he? Because I paid for it. It was (laughs) totally mine. (laughs) Right? And I run down there, and I walk in my little chain link gate, and I get in Luis's face, and I just, rip him to shreds did, did I, I say you could play with my basketball goal did i give you permission it's mine how dare you blah blah blah! i tore him up and down i said awful things you're just getting to play with this goal you, because you don't have one of your own because your family's poor i remember saying that specifically we lived in government housing we were all poor I broke this little kid's heart. I never apologized for it. To this day, I wish I could find him. He probably doesn't remember it, but I do. I wish I could tell him I was sorry. But, man, does justice come quick, because our basement window was open and my mom was down there doing laundry. To this day, my butt has never hurt so much in my life. I I got a belt, fly swatter. I grabbed the belt from her. Shouldn't have done that. So, I mean, I paid for my sin, but I still don't feel any better about it. And as life went on, I've done worse things. I've used heavy drugs. There are nights, there are weeks I don't remember. I've treated people like they were garbage because I was so superior and more important than them. And you know what? If I had to think about that every day, if I had to hold on to that, it'd probably break me. I mean, me not being able to get over my sin in in all honesty has led me to bouts of depression. It's led me to suicide attempts. It's led me to terrible thoughts. I've been there. But Jesus here, he tells me That I can let it go. He's the one person, the one person who could say, You don't deserve this, and be right. But even so, He forgives us. And you know what? He's done that for you too. Regardless of what you've done in your life, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what evil thing you think you've done that you can't overcome, Jesus will forgive. And he will let you move on. You just have to turn it over to him. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the grace that you show us, God, because without that, Lord, where would any of us be? Where would any of us be? I think back all these years ago, this terrified woman who was brought by these Pharisees before you, probably scared for her life, just sure that she was about to die. Maybe even thinking that I deserve to die. But Lord, in that instance when she was afraid and when she was scared and when she thought nothing good can come from this, you forgave her. And in that time, so long ago, Lord, you you brought forgiveness to us even. You show us that there's a way out. You show us that it's okay to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, to move on from our past, to let these things in our life go. God, there's so many in this room today that have heavy hearts, who I could tell relate with my story, who, 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 who have these situations in their own lives where they feel like, Man, you know what? I didn't handle that well. I wish I could go back and change it. And God, I don't have the ability, like I said, to go find Luis. I have no idea how. I did a Facebook search for Luis Gonzalez. There's like 10,000 of them. But some of us in this very room, we can... we can fix those problems that we have with others. We can go to them. We can seek forgiveness. We can ask for forgiveness. We can tell them we're sorry. And God, I pray today that if anybody has a situation like this on their heart, that they take care of it. That they don't let any time pass them by. God, I'm going to be in the back, and if someone needs to come speak with me, if they need your forgiveness, if they need to say Lord, I know that, that I've sinned over and over and over again and that, that the only way for me to find forgiveness, the only way for me to move on is to bring that to you, to be in relationship with you. If they want that, Lord, I'll be back there to speak with them about how that takes place. Let them come talk to me. Some of us in this room just need to recommit our lives. We, we've fallen off the track, so to speak, and, and, and we're not going in the direction that we should, Lord, but it really is as simple as just saying that we're sorry and, and, and from this point forward, moving on and leaving the life of sin behind us. God, I pray that they do that as well. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love. And most importantly, Lord, for the grace shown to us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.